0: Welcome to the JACCP podcast. My name is Robbie Parker, and I'm a professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center College of Pharmacy, and also serve as an associate editor for the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today, we're talking with Dr. Courtney Montapara about her team's recent publication in the June 2020 issue of JACCP titled Impact of a Cardiology Pharmacist-Led Intervention on high intensity statin prescribing upon discharge after acute MI. Dr. Montapara is an assistant professor at the Duquesne University School of Pharmacy and a cardiology pharmacy specialist at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Courtney, thank you for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Dr. Parker. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Well, good. Let's go ahead and get started. And first, I'd like to ask you, can you describe for the audience the purpose of the paper, and how your group decided to undertake this project.
1: Absolutely. So our group was looking to assess how a cardiology pharmacist-led intervention would affect the rate of high-intensity statin prescriptions at discharge following acute myocardial infarction, or AMI. Now, despite the robust evidence and the AHA-ACC guidelines, that recommend for patients who have an MI to be initiated on high intensity or maximally tolerated statin therapy for secondary prevention the use of these medications in this patient population remains suboptimal so in an effort to optimize guideline directed medical therapy for our patients following an acute MI an intervention was developed and it was piloted by Colleen Elston a cardiology clinical pharmacist an author on our paper who was unable to join us on the podcast today. Our institution was also pursuing the Joint Commission's Comprehensive Cardiac Center Certification, which is a recognition given to healthcare organizations who deliver high-quality cardiac care. So we sought to ensure our institution met the Joint Commission's performance measures, one being to show an increase in the rate of high-intensity statins prescribed at discharge post-AMI. Colleen and I were interested in seeing the impact this intervention had, so we worked together with a group of four APPE students from Duquesne University School of Pharmacy who were on a five-week research rotation with me. These four students were involved in data collection and analysis, and they were also authors on our published article in the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy.
0: Well, that was great, thank you. Can you give us a little bit of information about how you conducted the project?
1: Yes, this was a single center pre-post study. Patients eligible for inclusion were hospitalized adults with a primary diagnosis of an acute MI, which included STEMI and non-STEMI types 1 and 2, signified by ICD-10 codes Patients were excluded if they had a documented reason in the electronic health record for not being prescribed a high-intensity statin, such as an intolerance or allergy, elevated liver function tests greater than three times the upper limit of normal, patient refusal, and drug-drug interactions. It is important to note that the documented reason had to be recorded during the current admission to be considered appropriate for the purposes of this study. And also the Joint Commission's expectations. Additional exclusion criteria were if the patient had a left ventricular assist device implanted or heart transplant, were currently enrolled in a clinical trial, were discharged to another hospital or hospice, left against medical advice, or died during their admission. And this eligibility criteria did mirror the Joint Commission's Comprehensive Cardiac Center certification performance measure on high-intensity statins prescribed at discharge. Patients were stratified into two groups for analysis. So we had the pre-intervention group from July 2019 to March 2020, and the post-intervention group from April to December 2020. The intervention of interest was conducted by a cardiology clinical pharmacist who reviewed a list of admitted patients with an acute MI for appropriate statin prescribing. If there was an active order for a statin that aligned with current guidelines, there was no intervention that occurred. However, if there was not an order for a high-intensity statin, the EHR was reviewed to determine if there was documentation in the chart as to why one was not initiated. If documented rationale was missing, the pharmacist would contact the primary team and either the team would place an order for high-intensity statin, or the pharmacist would write a note containing the rationale for withholding a guideline-directed statin. If a patient nearing discharge was tolerating a high-intensity statin and relevant labs remained clinically stable, the pharmacist would pend an outpatient order for a high-intensity statin in the EHR for the primary team to review and sign upon discharge. And pending orders ensured that high intensity statin prescriptions were present on the discharge and also aimed to avoid cases where the patient was discharged back on their inappropriate home statin. All patient discharge orders were reviewed by the pharmacist to verify every statin prescription contained the appropriate drug and strength and went to the patient's preferred pharmacy. In cases of patients reporting a statin intolerance or allergy, discussions and clarification with a patient or caregiver regarding past statin trials occurred and was documented. And then when possible, alternative high-intensity statin therapy was trialed before considering lower doses of a statin or initiation of non-statin therapy. So the primary outcome of our study was the proportion of patients 75 years of age or younger prescribed high-intensity statin therapy, and this was defined as atorvastatin 40 to 80 milligrams or rosuvastatin 20 to 40 milligrams daily at discharge pre- and post-pharmacist intervention. Some secondary outcomes included hospital length of stay and 30-day all-cause and ischemic-related readmission rates. Great.
0: Would you be able to summarize the key findings from your paper?
1: Yes, we reviewed a total of 747 patients for eligibility in the study and 418 patients. So a little over half met the inclusion criteria. There were 223 or 53% of patients in the pre-intervention group and 195 or 47% of patients in the post-intervention group. For the primary outcome, the rate of high-intensity statin prescribing at discharge improved from 83% in the pre-intervention group to 95.4% in the post-intervention group, and this was a statistically significant finding. For the secondary outcomes, there were no significant differences between the two groups with respect to mean hospital length of stay and 30-day all-cause or ischemic-related readmission rates.
0: Very interesting. I was impressed by the large number of patients that were reviewed over a relatively short time period. How were you guys able to do this?
1: That's a great question. We were able to do so with the help of four fantastic pharmacy students at Duquesne University who were on their APPE research rotation with me. Uh, The research rotation was five weeks long, and we had roughly two weeks dedicated to data collection.
0: Tell us about the role of pharmacy students in data collection. For clinical pharmacists that serve as APPE preceptors, how can they incorporate pharmacy students into their daily activities to extend their impact?
1: On the research rotation, my pharmacy students are involved in every step of the research process. With this specific project, my students were provided a list of patients with AMI diagnoses determined by ICD codes during our study timeframe. My students then extracted data from the EHR to a standardized data collection form, which we developed and trained the students on how to use. So to answer your second question, students can help in a multitude of ways, such as conducting background literature searches on the study topic, helping to prepare the IRB protocol and other study materials for submission, data collection as previously mentioned, and data analysis. Of course, depending on the task, a student may need more detailed instruction and closer observation. My research students also prepared and submitted an abstract to the ACCP annual meeting in October 2021. That was accepted for a poster presentation and was then selected as a finalist in the ACCP Best Student Poster Competition, which was wonderful. These students were involved in the writing of the manuscript as well, so they truly gained a well rounded research experience in a relatively short period of time. So even if an APPI preceptor does not have a research focus rotation, They can still incorporate their pharmacy students in one or several steps of their research project. Pharmacy students are certainly looking for these types of experiences to help them become competitive candidates for postgraduate training and job opportunities.
0: Thank you. That sounds like a really great experience for the students. Um, I'd like to also ask you, what were some of the barriers that you encountered when developing and initiating the project?
1: The list that was generated each day containing the patients post-AMI for review were based, as I mentioned previously, on ICD-10 codes. So depending on how the coding was done, we noticed a few instances when eligible patients may have not made it on the list, and therefore it might have been a little bit more difficult to find them for a review. Also, another barrier was when prescribers would discharge patients back on their inappropriate home statin, even when the patients were on a high intensity statin during their hospitalization. And as described previously, this is why the pharmacist would pend orders in the HR in hopes that the correct statin would be indeed prescribed upon discharge.
0: Um, you note in the paper that other studies of pharmacist interventions on statin prescribing. Found that there was no effect. What might be some reasons for the positive effect that your group found?
1: Yes, there is a limited number of studies that investigated the effects of a pharmacist led intervention specifically on statin therapy upon discharge. Most of them assess AMI medications as a whole. Now, there was one study that showed no significant benefit with the pharmacist led intervention on statin therapy. But a few studies in different countries did note a benefit with statin utilization. However, they did not specifically look at the intensity of statin therapy, which would certainly be clinically important. I think some of the reasons for the positive effect that our study team found was having a dedicated pharmacist to review this patient population in a consistent and organized manner And the patient list created from the EHR really helped to streamline the process to ensure appropriate statin therapy is continued upon discharge. Also in the post-intervention group, documentation was noticeably enhanced for patients who had a reason not to be on a high-intensity statin and pending medications for prescribal approval before discharge seemed to make a difference as well.
0: Thank you. What are some of the limitations of your findings that our listeners should be aware of?
1: Due to the retrospective nature of this study, the collected data in the EHR relies on accurate documentation and therefore is subject to error. Also, this was a single center study and the study population consisted of primarily Caucasian men, which may not be generalizable to other patient populations. Reasons for a lack of high-intensity statin therapy were only considered valid if documented during the current admission, and this may have resulted in some level of misclassification bias. However, this approach was deemed more appropriate than alternatives because the information should be kept current in the EHR based on its importance to clinical outcomes. Lastly, we use discharge summaries to evaluate for high-intensity statin prescribing upon discharge, which limits our ability to confirm whether patients received their outpatient statin prescriptions. With that said, though, the fill history from outpatient pharmacies was not available in the EHR for all patients, so this outcome could not be collected consistently.
0: Thank you. Is the approach that your group took with statins after acute MI Applicable to the pharmacotherapy of other cardiovascular disorders?
1: Yes, which is so exciting. This pharmacist led intervention can be replicated to meet other medication related measures. In addition to successfully obtaining comprehensive cardiac center certification from the Joint Commission in 2021, our institution is involved in several get with the guidelines programs, such as heart failure and atrial fibrillation. So, this approach is very applicable to other cardiovascular disorders. The cardiology clinical pharmacist in this intervention also works with our heart failure population to optimize guideline directed medical therapy and enters documentation in a similar fashion to the patients with AMI. So, if hospitals or health systems have metrics or identify opportunities to improve medication management for patients, pharmacists can play a key role in ensuring a significant and sustained improvement.
0: And one last question. How do you plan to build on the findings from this project? What's next?
1: So based on the positive findings of this project, the plan is to expand this pharmacist-led intervention to other hospitals within our health network and build upon several other patient populations with cardiovascular disorders that will be reviewed to ensure optimal guideline-directed medical therapy and compliance with drug-related metrics. As we all know, as new therapies continue to emerge, hospitals will be held to heightened standards for prescribing evidence-based medications and clinical pharmacists will, are really at a unique position to provide these valuable services as part of an interdisciplinary
0: team. Well, thank you, Dr. Montepara. I really enjoyed talking to you today, and we certainly appreciate you and your co-author's contributions to JACCP, and thank you for taking the time to share your perspectives with us on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Parker, for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you today.